Well, here we are. Sounds like David Attenborough. Well, here we are. I can't really do the accent, but that's okay. Uh, welcome to church this morning. I wonder where I am. It's pretty obvious, really, if you know Robertson. It's a beautiful, quiet spot. Just listen to the quiet. It's pretty good, isn't it? There you go. Well, back in Haggai chapter 2 today. Uh, Haggai won last week. We saw that the Israelites, they were allowed back into Jerusalem. We're talking 6th century BC. And uh, they were allowed back into Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Yet they were focusing on their own houses rather than God's house. And so a question of priorities came up. As God's people, we didn't ask the question, whose house are you building? Is it God's house or are you building your own house, so to speak? Well, enjoy the service today. Uh, if you've got any questions, be in touch. Uh, be assured of my prayers for you all. Have a good day. See ya. Well, it's great to be back again with you, friends. Let me encourage you to have God's Word open in front of you. Uh, we're in Haggai chapter 2. Uh, and uh, so please have that passage open in front of you as we look at God's Word together. Well, the tide has turned and recent years have been very good for Robo Anglican. Indeed, there's been good, healthy growth and now even a youth worker. It's good news. The tide has turned. And the question is, will you swim with the current or against it? Last time we met, we were experiencing the, the stinging rebuke of God delivered through the prophet Haggai. Israel, the people of God, were not putting God first in their lives. They had built themselves houses, but they weren't interested in building God's house, the temple. Their plans, though, were about improving themselves rather than building the temple. And so God, in his great wisdom and mercy, frustrated their plans at improving themselves and sent the prophet Haggai to tell them this, to challenge them to recommit themselves to the task of rebuilding the temple, the task that he had given them. And that's what the people did. They repented and started rebuilding the temple. And so this week, when God speaks through the prophet Haggai, it is not words of rebuke. It is words of encouragement. For Haggai tells them about the blessings of commitment. Have a look in verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. The first blessing that comes from their new commitment is to be, to know that God is with them. And now this is not saying that God was somewhere else and had now arrived. It's not as if he just got off the Qantas flight from Babylon and uh, was there now in Jerusalem with them. No, it's talking about God's way of relating to the Israelites. Before, when they were concerned only with their own houses, with their own plans, he was against them. Now that they are committed to him and his cause, well, he is with them. Before he actively frustrated their plans, 
Now he is with them and blessing their plans. Uh, I used to live out west when I was younger on the great Namoi River. Well, not the Namoi River at the moment, it's the Namoi Puddle. But it was the great Namoi River at times. Like all Australian rivers, there were times when it was low and times when it was in absolute flood. And I don't know if you've ever seen a great Australian river in flood like the Namoi, but when you do, it's an amazing sight. And one of the impressive things about it is how fast the water moves. It moves so fast and the current is so strong. Can you imagine for a moment trying to swim against the current of a river that's in flood, a river like the Namoi. Now, trying to do that would give you an appreciation of how small and puny we humans are amongst creation. Well, at least if we live. Well, that's similar to what the Israelites were doing. They were fighting against an irresistible force, God. And so they expended a lot of energy trying to better themselves. But if anything, they were actually going backwards. Like someone swimming against a really strong current. But now they've turned around and they're going with the current. They're going the way God wants them. And so now he's helping them. God is with them. As it says in chapter 1, verse 13, I am with you. Friends, let me ask you a question. Do you want God to bless your plans? I can tell you the secret of having God bless your plans. And it's this. Have God's plans as your plans. And he will bless your plans. Have his priorities as your priorities. Make his goal your goal. For if you are on God's mission, then God will be with you. And so the Israelites had the task of rebuilding the temple. What is our task? Well, I want you to keep a finger in Haggai. And turn with me to Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It's there in the New Testament, right at the end of the book of Matthew. So you might want to go to Mark and look back. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus says these words, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our task as followers of Jesus is to make disciples of Jesus, to tell them about Jesus so that they can become his followers like us, and then to teach them to obey Jesus' commands. That's our job. That's our task. That's our mission. But do you notice something familiar at the end of verse 20 there? Jesus says, 
and surely I am with you always. Jesus is echoing the words of Haggai chapter 1, verse 13. I am with you. You see, we often think that Jesus' promise here is about comfort, that Jesus is with us, and that's a comforting thought. And it certainly is that. But it is much more a spur to get on with the mission. Because the context in which he says, I am with you always, is the mission that he has given us. Jesus is with us in that mission. We are not doing it on our own. He is actively helping us carry out the task that he's given us. And as Jesus is God with all of God's power and authority, which we see in verse 18, that means God is helping us. Now that is a strong current to swim with and to help us. Jesus is saying he is with us to spur us on to carry out his mission. Do we want God to bless our plans? Then our goals and plans should be God's plans and goals. Then he will be with us as he has promised. And we will see our plans blessed. Let's go back to Haggai and chapter 2. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? The problem with the good old days is that they were good. And as time goes on, they get even better. And some of the Israelite old timers can remember the old temple. It was one of the architectural wonders of the ancient world, a bit like the Sydney Opera House is today. And now the Israelites have rebuilt it, but it's not a patch on what it was before. If you look at verse 3, it says it seemed like nothing in comparison. But looks can be deceiving. Have a look at verse 9. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. The rebuilt temple may seem smaller, not as beautiful or as imposing, but it is greater it will be filled with glory, greater glory than Solomon's temple, the old temple that was destroyed. What is all this about? How is it fulfilled? Well, it's about Jesus, God incarnate, coming to the temple. For God himself walked in the temple that the Israelites of Haggai's day built. And there can be no greater glory than that. 
But more than that, Jesus is the one who replaced the temple as the contact point between God and man. John chapter 1. And since the ascension of Jesus to the right hand of God, the temple is present wherever the true followers of Jesus are, even if they're at home watching over a link. They worship God in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verse 23. And 1 Corinthians 3.16 describes the church, us, as the new temple of God. You are the new glorious temple of the living God. And friends, I said that Robbo is coming back and that's certainly true. But this new church is not the same as the old church. It's not like it was in the glory days that those who are older can remember. And yes, every church has its glory days, doesn't it? And they might remember the glory days and think of the finances or the numbers of people who were there or the buildings and how wonderful they were. There's lots of things that make them the glory days. But friends, those things don't matter as much as being faithful and committed to Jesus as worshipping in spirit and in truth. That's the important thing. And that's what makes a church great. So friends, it's more important to be faithful and committed to the cause of Christ than successful in the world's eyes. But there is a temporal bonus as well. Look at verse 15. Now give careful thought to this. From this day on, consider how things were before one stone was laid on any other in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew and hail. Yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. So here we see that God also gives his people a temporal bonus as well. And that is God blesses those who are committed to him in the here and now. And this is clearly material blessing that's on display here. God was previously frustrating their efforts to improve themselves. Now their efforts are on rebuilding the temple, God is going to bless them with the very same things that they were looking for before. Of course, the paradox is that plenty is given to those who aren't seeking it. Now, I should say that this is blessing is not necessarily ridiculous wealth, it's not a lavish lifestyle. It is having enough. And its purpose isn't a bribe to get us doing what we should be doing. 
No, no, we mustn't think that we can get wealthy by being godly. That would be the wrong way of thinking completely. That's not the purpose of this promise. The purpose of this promise of God is to give his people confidence to devote themselves to God's work. It allows them to not worry about themselves as they serve God. And if they believe the promise, if they trust God's word, then they'll be able to give themselves fully to that work, knowing that their needs will be provided. It's in one sense very similar to what a wise man once said on a mountainside. For he said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The Lord Jesus tells us simply, when we are committed to what God values, he will see that we're not in want. And that's the temporal bonus. We not only see our plan succeeds because they're God's plans, we also have ample provision. Friends, the tide has turned. Robbo is coming back. And it's good news. But where to from here? As always, there is a choice before every church to stay focused on the mission of Jesus or to be distracted by the things of this world? Which will you choose together? And the question for us as individuals is will we be part of this great mission of God's? Will we swim with the tide or against it? Are we committed to God's mission to make disciples of Jesus to the ends of the earth of all nations? Or are we still concerned only about our own houses? And God is, well, somewhere down the priority list. If we swim against the tide, if we don't busy ourselves with God's plans, we will only find our plans frustrated. But if we are committed to God's mission to make disciples of Jesus, then we can know that God will be with us. He will bless our plans and we will see our plans succeed because they'll be the same as God's plans and he cannot be thwarted. And we will receive the temporal bonus for our needs will be met. Brothers and sisters, God always achieves his plans. It's just a question of whether we want to be part of them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that in your great mercy, you have saved us in Jesus. We thank you that we are now his disciples. And we thank you that you have included us in your mission of making disciples.
of all nations. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would work in our hearts by your Holy Spirit to change us, to renew us, to fire us up in this mission, that we may be passionate about this mission and that it may be our top priority. Heavenly Father, help us to keep our eyes on this goal and on your plans rather than on plans to better ourselves or to live just like our neighbours who do not know Christ. And we ask this not just for our own good, but so that we may bring honour to the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.